Hello. Continuing the series, in this episode, I look at the history of women in politics in a few places across our globe. Welcome to Can You Relate with Effie Grant. I'm Effie. Welcome back. I am UK-based and so of course I'm going to start here. The early 20th century was a period of many hard-won firsts for British women in the professional, educational and public corridors. Now the year was 1919 when the first woman, Nancy Astor, won a by-election and entered the House of Commons on 1st December that year to take her oath. She served until 1945 as the Conservative MP for Portsmouth and later Portsmouth Sutton. Now she's described to have been a real rebel, but I suppose any woman entering these corridors ought to have been, at least in good measure. We've seen many women enter politics after that. In fact, two female prime ministers, both from the Conservative Party, and I will admit that I am biased here as I am a conservative woman myself, but it certainly, to my mind, tells a lot, which perhaps we might touch on sometime in the future. But moving on, when did women gain the right to vote? Because it hasn't always been the case. Now, many people will know these rights didn't come easy and the role of the suffragettes with their leading women such as Emily Davison and Emmeline Pankhurst. The first general elections that saw British women over 21 years vote was actually in 1929. So let's look at a few more across the globe. New Zealand, 1893. India, 1950. Namibia, 1989, Kuwait, 2005, Saudi Arabia, 2011, although it was actually 2015, they actually got to uh, partake, and my own motherland, Ghana, 1954. Again, none of this came without a fight, and women have continued to fight just to have a seat at these tables or walk the key decision-making corridors. But within the patriarchy, we can find allies too. What then is allyship? It is recognizing your unearned privileges in your personal life and at work, using that privilege to then act and advocate through support to bring visible, crucial, lasting and impactful change. To be an ally isn't about guilt or shame, but about an awareness that is founded on a sense of responsibility to end patterns of oppression or injustice anywhere. Fundamentally, an ally is a support. And so when we come to the case of supporting women who have long 
experienced various injustices. We see in 2011 in Saudi Arabia, King Abdullah issued a decree ordering that women be allowed to stand as candidates and vote in municipal elections. And their first opportunity didn't come until as recently as December 2015. Now, Nancy Astor herself entered the House of Commons, sponsored by Prime Minister David Lloyd George and Lord President of the Council and former Prime Minister Arthur Balfour. In Ghana, my motherland, as part of the struggle for independence, women achieved the right to vote and stand for elections. The then CPP party, led by the late President Osajifo Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, encouraged women to participate in politics. Now, Ghana and Nkrumah are well known for being one of the first countries and presidents to actually introduce quotas for women in politics. And the CPP passed the Representation of the People Act in 1959 that ensured the nomination of 10 women to parliament. I mean, this is men with privilege taking action and becoming allies. Now, much of this continues, but invariably still not enough. We've seen the legacies of some of these women and we can never forget the Iron Lady forever etched in our memories for generations to come. Bold women like her who have become household names not just because but because they have been unafraid to stir the pot when needed and still effect lasting change. There's no doubt that progress has been made, but despite increases in the number of women at the highest levels of political power, according to the IPU UN Women in Politics map, widespread inequalities still persist. Women holding ministerial portfolios progression has slowed and countries with no women, no women at all in government has increased. And these countries include Armenia, Thailand and Papua New Guinea. Let me end with some better highlights that women are heads of state or uh, government in 22 countries, up from 20 in 2020. Europe seems to have the highest and I'm proud to actually conclude that Rwanda still leads the sub-Saharan African region, in fact the whole of Africa, with the largest share of women ministers at 54.8% and tops the global charts with the share of women parliamentarians. Now, this is a great story of a great ally in the privilege of a supportive head of state 
Paul Kagame. Is it any wonder then how well they are doing as a country? Now, I'm going to share some of the data that I've uh, revealed in this episode. For those of you who are keen, remember to share, like, comment. And if you are an ally or know anybody who is, let me know how you can relate. But until next week, when we come to complete this series, continue to encourage every woman around you to consider partaking in politics. Be well.